It's time for the Video Marketing Value Podcast. This is the podcast where we help marketers just like you get more value out of your video marketing efforts. My name is Dane Golden from vidyup.tv and vidtarget.io. And today we have a special guest, the Microsoft Autonomous Video Booth creator, David Kaler, or is it Collar? Kaler? It is Kaler. Kaler, welcome, David. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. And David, we asked you on today because we recently interviewed in a previous podcast, Sonia Atchison from Microsoft, who talked about how Microsoft is using YouTube for product support and connecting with influencers, but she told us a secret. She mm-hmm. told us she was calling from something called the Microsoft Autonomous Video Booth. And I just had to find out what that was. And apparently, you're the inventor. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, so basically what the autonomous video booth is, is it is the fastest, easiest way to create high-quality talking head videos. Um, so a couple of years ago, we had a hackathon, and we decided to uh, just kind of throw this together in an office space. Um, and really what it is, is it's a, uh, automated video production studio. So we have, uh, nice lights. We have nice microphone, a uh, couple different camera angles. Um, it kind of greets you when you walk in and it, and it leads you through the process. And we've distilled, you know, the creation of high quality videos down to the press of a single button. So, uh, so, so, so let me, let me, let me get you to stop there for a moment yeah. and tell me what you mean by it greets you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is actually one of the most popular uh, features of it. You know, not not the uh, video creation or anything like that, but it, it kind of plays this sort of spaceship sound, and it says "Welcome to the video booth" when mm-hmm. you come in because there's a there's a motion sensor and it it turns on the lights and <laughs> gets right. ready for you. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 it is a it's a voice emitting from a computer. It's a voice emitting from a different device. Yeah, so it's just running on a PC. Um, it's just a regular PC app um, that's hooked into some motion sensors so it knows when you come in. And so we have speakers, so it's just coming through the speakers. Okay, so I come in and, and give me a feeling of what – you said it's just a converted office uh, room, but give me a feeling as to what it looks like. How big is it? What's what's on the walls? What's What's in it? Yeah, so the space is usually something like 8 by 10 feet. Uh, the walls are covered with uh, just kind of regular sound treatment foam um, just to kind of reduce the echo in the room. There's an instructional poster on the inside that tells you what to do. Um, there's a piece of furniture at the front of it that has all of our cameras. The mic comes down from the ceiling. Um, and then there's also, depending on the room, we have several of them, but some of them have a variable backdrop system, so you can use kind of these uh, motor uh, roller systems to change out your backdrop. Okay, and, and, and that leads me to other questions such as when you say it's usually, do you mean there is more than one? Yeah, so right now we have three uh, in Redmond, one in Bellevue, one in Vancouver, and then we have a few more that are kind of on the way. Okay. And, and uh, could you, you know, for our listeners, these things will be important. Could you talk about some of the details like what kind of camera, lighting, and um, microphones are you using? 
Sure, yeah. We are using uh, Sony cameras, either the A6300 or 6400, uh, mainly because Sony has really awesome continuous autofocus, um, eye-tracking autofocus, uh, which is really important when we don't have anyone behind the camera to autofocus for us. Um, mm-hmm. The mic we're using is a Sennheiser shotgun mic. I think it's like MKH416 or something like that. It's a really nice mic. Uh, it feeds into a Focusrite um, Scarlett audio interface. Uh, and then the lights are Kino Flows, so that's kind of our big splurge. Um, very, mm-hmm. very expensive lights, but give us a ton of control over output and color temperature and really let us dial in. Because, um, you know, a lot of people who are coming into this thing, or really most people that are coming into it, are not comfortable on camera. Mm-hmm. So if we can make them look really good when they sit down, then that really helps kind of put them at ease. And how do they know they're looking good when they sit down? Yeah, so there's a monitor Uh, That's just sort of um, right next to the cameras in the front there. And so it shows a preview of both of the cameras, um, which also has some guides on it to try to get them to frame themselves up properly. You know, put the stool at the right height so that they they look right on camera. And uh, how do you how do you get them to look at the camera? Yeah, so there's actually so there's two screens. We have a teleprompter on the primary camera, and then the secondary camera is just sort of a side angle. Um, so all of the UI that you read and follow is actually displayed on the teleprompter. So kind of kind of just when you're starting getting going, you're you're getting them used to the idea of looking that way. Um, some people actually don't even realize that there is a camera behind the teleprompter. You know, they're just kind of looking at the screen. Um, so it, it works out kind of naturally. Um, and then so you can push scripts to the teleprompter with a really easy website um, that you just kind of put your alias into it. It automatically pulls it down. And then you can um, either put a script or a PowerPoint deck on there and just talk to it. And so when you're talking to that guy, you're actually looking straight at the camera, which you know, really helps with viewer engagement. And and, and when you're looking at this this teleprompter, is it – uh, like a eight by ten type of teleprompter is it much larger? Uh, it varies a little bit depending on the installation. We started with a super small kind of um, tablet teleprompter. You know, you just throw like a, a Surface Pro in there or something like that, or you can even put a phone in there. Um, we've since switched over to one that has a built-in screen that's I think around seventeen inches. So. Um, that's much nicer, you know, b- really the bigger it is, the easier it is to read. Um, but also the bigger it is, the, the more expensive it is. So it's a trade off. And does anyone do this for, for instance, let's say they're interviewed for a video. Do do they see the other person? Yeah. So right now, um, it's mostly set up. Well, most of them are set up for single person. Sometimes we can get two people into the shot, but it's not really the most natural interview style setting. Actually, the next one that we're building is going to be three cameras so that we have two seats um, with one camera pointing at each seat and then a third camera. That's the wide angle of the two people um, because interview style is by far one of our biggest requests. Do you Uh, mean a two shot of, of two people side by side? Yeah, they would basically be side by side, but they would each have their own camera. So I we're see. not trying to like shove them into one frame. I see. And did you say, I'm sorry, did you say what 
types of teleprompter setups you're using? I think our uh, listeners will like to know. Yeah, so all the teleprompters we're using now are, I, I think it's called Icon or ICAN, I-K-A-N. Um, so they have a couple different kinds. They have a tablet style one that we have in a couple of our installations that holds like up to a 13 inch. And we actually use a monitor these days instead of a tablet. Um, that one's like a $700 one. And then you can bump up to like a 17 inch fixed monitor one, but that takes you up to like two grand. Okay. And I assume that when, um, someone at the company wants to use it, they reserve it, and then maybe they pre-fill their, um, uh, I guess, their script into the website beforehand. Is that how they do it? Right, yeah. So they can use it first come, first serve. It is reservable as a conference room. So it's kind of standard conference room etiquette. If someone has it reserved and you're in there, then you know they can kick you out. Um, but yeah, so there's a just very, very simple website that you go to ahead of time and you just manually plug in your alias and paste in your script or upload your PowerPoint deck that goes to an internal server. And so then when you come into the room, there's a badge reader that you swipe your badge at. So then it knows who you are and it pulls down what you had, what you had uploaded. And, and let me ask this question. When you say there's a PowerPoint uploaded, is does that mean that you are also recording the PowerPoint in a way of a tutorial or a webinar at the same time? Maybe there's two pieces to be edited from and two or or something like that. Is that what I'm hearing, or is it you just read from it? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a cool feature, really. It's um, evolved over time. Originally, it was just you could upload a deck and just have something to talk to. So you could use it, you know, as your notes, just some people are more comfortable talking to a deck rather than kind of a scrolling script. Um, but more recently, it now actually sends the deck to the server and processes it in a way. Uh, so we have a simple web editor that's kind of the end of this process that lets you um, change between your camera angles and add overlays and that sort of thing. Um, but the cool thing is that the web editor can also now pull in the PowerPoint and it'll actually record or it'll keep track of when you switch each slide. So it'll automatically populate overlays in your edit based on when you switch to each slide. So there, it's all autonomous except, of course, the somebody will have to edit something or it is not really. Yeah, you know, some people just use, like, we do kick out just the individual camera views on their own. So a lot of people will just, like, take the front camera view if they're just trying to convey a simple message and just mm -hmm. post that straight up to stream or wherever. Um, but the editor is super simple, like, two-minute process, and then you can uh, get an edit out where you can switch between the different angles and add some stuff. So that adds... A little bit of extra work, but it's really um, very, very quick. And uh, can I ask which editor it is, or is it custom? Or Yeah, so this is a custom web editor. Um, it's kind of based on the idea of a live recording. So, like, you're the director watching someone recording something live, and you're saying, like, go to camera two. Now go to, you know, the, the overlay about whatever. Um, and so you just watch it once and you click on some stuff and then that's the end and it spits out your edit. Um, and then, and then I assume there's some sort of server that this is hosted on that someone can access and work with later as they wish. 
Right. Yeah. It's just hosted on a, a virtual machine that's in Azure. Um, that's kind of behind our, our CorpNet firewall. Um, so it's not something that uh, is publicly available, so it may be at some point, but... Um, mm -hmm. Well, it yeah, sounds like we, not none of this is – I've seen no photos of this, no video. <laughs> this is top secret. Uh, no, it's not top secret. It's just um, – it, it's sort of just getting legs, really. Uh -huh. uh, there is one LinkedIn video. Uh, we had a LinkedIn influencer, I believe named Goldie. Um, who, oh, Goldie Chan. Yeah, who came and did a tour of campus and also got a, a quick tour of one of the autonomous video booths that the – the garage installation. So uh, I can point you to that. At I, least. Please. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll have that and put that in the, in the show notes. Um, so let's talk about what, what's what this, what this solves and why this is so helpful. So what, what kinds of problems were people having that, that caused you to want to have this? Yeah, so there's a couple things, really. One is that people are still, especially in enterprise, people who are not used to making videos, they're still very intimidated by it. And so anything we can do to encourage them to make more videos, to more effectively communicate their message, um, and make them more comfortable with the whole process, that's that's really what we're striving for here. So, yeah, so I, I would just assume, yeah, they they – it just takes too much time. They don't, they don't know what it's like to be on camera. There's, if they need a video, I'm sure that there's a, a amount of time they have to deal with, with learning to edit, making sure the, the sound is right, doing all that stuff independently when it should right. be just very turnkey. Yeah. And yeah. So the other thing that I was going to say is that um, we would often have meetings where we basically just show videos back to back of that people have made. And the quality between the videos is just so wildly different that it almost becomes impossible to watch them. Like, you know, the audio levels keep changing and you have to keep fiddling with them. And so if we can provide kind of this consistent experience, then even, you know, consuming the videos is much more pleasant for, for the audience. That's great. That's great. And uh, so here's the next question. How have how have people messed it up that you had to fix? What did they do wrong mm. that you had to make it foolproof? Yeah, so the the secret here is that it is not 100% <laughs> autonomous. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, it's like 95. We, we improve it all the time. But yeah, so some common things that happen um, – People might bump a camera, so the framing gets off, um, that someone needs to come in and fix it. Um, the kind of more uh, significant things people have done is, you know, like either bring furniture into or out of the room. Um, and mm -hmm. so then that makes it difficult for the next person to use it. Um, or something breaks, someone doesn't tell us. Like, you know, sometimes the backdrop um, system, something might break on that, and we have to kind of fiddle with it to, to play with it. And then we just kind of get a note from the next person who, who wasn't able to use it. Um, luckily, though, those things happen pretty rarely these days. Like, I would say the uptime is, you know, we have, like, maybe one problem every month or two or something oh. like that. So. Um, yeah, it's gotten, I, I can't say that's how it always was, but it's gotten pretty good these days. When, when was the origin? When was it, when did you start doing this? Yeah, the, the original hackathon was in late 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
we kind of just left it running and started doing some demos to people without really planning on doing much with it. But people were just kind of so enthusiastic about the whole thing that it kind of just kept us going and and became kind of its its own beast. It, yeah, and, and and let's talk about the response um, from all over uh, the organization. What 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 have people said? Yeah, so um, we definitely have sort of a uh, a set of fans. You know, we have we have a Teams channel of forty or fifty people now who um, just love it and use it for all sorts of things. It gets used a lot for um, just informational purposes, people doing tutorials and introductions to their team um, or just lighthearted stuff. You know, we've had um, CVPs do Christmas messages on it. Um, had people bring in their kids and and dogs and um so all sorts of things get get done on it um and really yeah i I think it helps kind of drive that or at least the the feeling of the culture of innovation and kind of the growth hacking and growth mindset across microsoft It, it really helps people come into work and think that they're working for a really cool company um, and that they're, they're excited to be there. So there's a, a big cultural component to it. That's great. And what, what would you say is maybe the most surprising use that you've seen come out of that? Hmm. You know, I have had, I think, two people now in the history make music videos with it. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, so like bring in a, a guitar or something like that and kind of just, uh, yeah, do their thing. Yeah. So, you know, as video becomes more and more important, how do you see uh, tools like this evolving across all of uh, American or international industry? Do you, do you feel that you'll see more things like this? You're at the forefront, but... Do you think you think you'll see a lot more of that? That's my hope. Yeah. What we've really discovered with this is that it's all about the end-to-end experience when you're creating and editing and publishing video. And while there's a lot of great tools for doing each step of that process, um, especially for people who aren't super technically inclined, it's really hard to discover the right workflow for for doing it all at once. So really, what we're trying to push here is a super tight integrated workflow for people to to create and publish video. Um, and so for this project in particular, I think kind of keeping those things tightly coupled um, and helping people, uh, especially enterprise partners, set up their own hardware and get our software on there and make it so it truly is as easy as pushing a button is what this project in particular, um, I think that's the direction it's going. But as far as the the cultural side of things, I really think that, you know, we need to push on just getting our software more integrated to kind of all devices and um, all platforms and just making videos super, super easy. Right. And, and uh, you know, you're working with some of the smartest people around there at Microsoft, very technical people, except they're not video experts. Exactly. Yeah, we have, you know, obviously a bunch of teams that are video experts, but most of the people at Microsoft are not. Um, But we're really kind of pushing these days as video as a first class citizen and video as a document. And so we're trying very rapidly to figure out how to kind of get people on board with with just making videos for basically every part of their job. 
Now, a lot of people are dealing with working from home right now, and, and so they probably can't go into the studio as much. What um, Can you think of any implications of what you've learned about this or for, for people who are maybe setting up their own studios at home or is there any application that people can use remotely? Can they record into this from home yet or anything like that? So, I mean, the, the app can certainly run on any PC, though it is um, sort of like console so- game console software in that it expects or works best with a very, very specific set of hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to. Um, that's just the way it is right now. Uh, so, yeah, we've kind of dabbled with the idea for a long time of uh, sort of like a video booth in a box or sort of giving people guidance on what hardware to buy and how to set it up. And then maybe if you install our software with that stuff, then we can give you a nice workflow kind of all the way through, you know, make it super easy to post to stream or YouTube or whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's sort of still pie in the sky right now. (laughs) Right, right. Well, David Kaler, this is, uh, this has been very interesting. I think that our listeners will be very interested to find out about this because video is taking over business and this Microsoft autonomous video booth is really the way I think a lot of things are going to go and we're all going to have to adapt based on your model or something similar to it. Could you could you give us some more links? You, I know we'll put that LinkedIn video in there or any other things you're working on. Yeah, sure. I can give you like some photos of the booth and um, I'll, I'll dig up a video or two that should be public. Um, and yeah, we're really just, you know, if people want to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or whatever, we're looking for kind of enthusiastic enterprise partners to help us figure out what an external version of this might look like. So I love to talk to people. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. So reach out to David on LinkedIn. Thank you, David Kaler. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. My name is Dane Golden, and I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. I want to invite you to review us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to your podcast. And if you can't find that review button, click that share button instead and let your friends know that we would also like to give them tips on video marketing value. I do this podcast and our various other YouTube videos and speaking and other projects because I love helping businesses do YouTube and video marketing better. Thanks to our special guest, David Kaler. (laughs) Until (laughs) next week, here's to helping you help your customers through video.